0: quiet for a half a minute. Um, I find that it's helpful just to steady ourselves. Maybe put your feet on the floor and cross your legs. Be still and know that I'm a dog. Very much. Oh, um, a <laughs> dog? Yes. <laughs> um, but let's just, just breathe. Let's just go breathe breathe for, for a minute. We're just going to... Let's feel the the ground under our feet. We're going to take these generous breaths, really deep inhalation. Hold the breath. And then a generous exhalation, Letting the breath out. And a little deep breath in. Holding, letting the breath out. A couple more times, okay, just one more breath in, holding, and then just breathing out. Okay, great. I think I know everybody in the room, I think everybody knows me, but maybe not everybody knows Sydney. Sydney, just want to briefly introduce yourself. Yeah,
1: Um, my name is Sydney. I just graduated from Westmont in May. I double majored in business and sociology. Um, I got the pleasure of working with Jim for like two to three years-ish while I was in college um, with stuff in the city. So Bread of Life, SB Act, Kingdom Causes, those sort of spheres. Um, and now I work in Santa Barbara at the rescue mission, doing business ops, but still find myself in a lot of these spaces as much as I can be.
0: And you've been coming to Free Methodist for?
1: About three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back when we were in the tent outside.
0: (laughs) I, as I was thinking about um, our session today, I was, um, just conscious again of of how I, I don't really want to, to give any more lectures, um. I much prefer a participative way of of meeting, and engaging. Now, Nikki is keen, rightly, that encounter should not just be another small group discussion. Respect that. And Sydney and I will definitely be facilitating this conversation and leading it. And bringing what we have. But very much, I think, we all tend to remember as much what we say as what anyone else says. So I encourage you to pay attention to your own thoughts and ideas as we, as we discuss. I also want to locate the session today within the, within the, um, the overall theme for Encounter this semester, which is uh, the righteousness of, of God and Christ. Um, because I think our engagement with culture is so very much a manifestation, a profound manifestation of our righteousness or our lack of righteousness. So that's why I think it's located in that. The other huge advantage of having Sydney and me co- facilitate is it's intergenerational, um, and I think the work that Sydney and I do together in, in the city is very much trying to draw closer kind of triangle, where we have Gen Z, very strongly represented today, we're delighted to see, local churches, and what we're calling neighborhood champions. So it's people of goodwill, people of peace, who will uh, join with us in this triangle. And in the middle of the triangle, there are these issues such as homelessness, and the kind of trafficking, these big, gnarly issues. And the hope is if we can wrap the triangle around these issues, we may be able to make more of them. Okay, so Christ and Culture. Cindy and I were discussing it, and we thought we might just use the first few minutes to go back to the classic work of Richard Niebuhr. Um, it's now 70 years old, 1951, he wrote this. And um, we thought we would just very briefly bring the five ways that Niebuhr suggests that Christ and culture interact. See. You.
1: Okay, so to kind of get started, I'm going to frame sort of how Niebuhr frames culture at the beginning of the piece. And so um, he defines it as the social life of humanity and the created environment that we cultivate amongst one another. And this involves a lot of different things. Um language, habit, idea, belief, custom, social organization, artifacts, technological processes, values. There's a lot of pieces that play into culture, but the big part of that is just that it's the total process of human activity um, and then the total result that comes. Um, and so I think rooting in this and this idea of, like, we're created in the image of God and are, like, moving out of that, um, and that's where culture is coming from and rooted in is really, really important.
2: Um,
1: so then, go ahead. Can I go ahead and start on that? Effect? Yeah. The first sentence
2: again the social the Social definition. life of humanity and the created environment. Social
1: life of humanity mm-hmm. and the created environment. Mm-hmm.
3: Is this related to rival neighbor? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Quote. brother. His brother. He's bro- okay. Yeah. Does yeah. the created
4: environment, is that the implication of the created environment from that social, from the first part? Or is the created environment the natural created environment? Mm-hmm. Which is I'm, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. So for culture itself, it's the created environment from the social life. From language. the social environment. Yeah. yeah. So kind of what comes as a result yes. of the social life. Yes. Yeah. Um, so kind of the two extremes. So he has five different points of view that he talks about, or options that he's seen often. Um, the first is Christ against culture. So this idea of loyalty to church and to Christ and the church means total rejection of culture and society. Um, So it creates this really sharp line between uh, the church and the world itself. So um, a lot of times this does look like complete, like reclusing from the outside world. Um, And there's a time and a place for that in a lot of ways. But living all of your life in a place that is going against everything in the world and solely looking at that. Um, Whereas the opposite you see of Christ of culture. So there's no tension between church and the world. Jesus is the fulfiller of society's hopes and aspirations. And um, the, like the downside of this one is it um, brings New Testament Jesus to be replaced with an idol that shares his name. So it doesn't look at the life and resurrection of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus in his like, godliness, but rather emphasizes solely his um, social
5: implications and those sorts of things.
2: So
5: okay,
1: was a good moral teacher. yeah, yeah. So it's Jesus was just a good moral, moral teacher and nothing more. So those are sort of the two extremes.
6: Social implications, and you said a few.
1: The social, yeah. So just looking at the social implications of Jesus and nothing more. Mm-hmm. And so those are sort of the two extremes that you see that Niebuhr presents of completely rejecting all culture um, and reclusing from it, or this idea of only solely embracing culture but ignoring the Godhead of Jesus.
0: So Christ against culture, Christ of culture, and then the fourth one is Christ over culture. Mm. In other words, this has the idea that really God has two books. There's the first book is creation. And that represents culture. And then you have God's revealed book, the Bible. The idea of this um, vision of the relationship is one of synthesis. So you're trying to pull these two together, the two books, bringing them together. However, uh, in practice, this turns out to be that the second book, the book of the Bible, is strongly preferred over the first book, the book of creation. This view of Christ's over culture was particularly um, valorized in the, uh, the period, um, probably Thomas Aquinas being one of the, in the scholastic period. Aquinas was one of the main advocates for this view. And he likened it to um, a, um, a cathedral great medieval cathedral. So that was built by humans. It was a created artifact. But when you come into the, the cathedral, you move away from the world. And therefore, really, it's Christ over culture. is very much down here and Christ is very much up here.
6: Hm.
0: <laughs> Do you want to say the fourth one?
2: Give it <laughs> um,
0: well, we'll come to the whole, all five of them and then we'll see where we get to.
1: Okay, so then the fourth one. Do I do the fourth then I'll do the fifth?
0: Very good. Um, I'm sorry,
4: could you back up one more time? Christ of culture is observing Christ simply as a as a moral teacher. Okay, got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Christ in a paradoxical relationship with culture. So in other words, this would be, um, in a sense, exemplified by Martin Luther, mm. uh, his famous phrase um, that human beings are simul, justice et peccato, simultaneously justified and sinless. Mm. So we are called <clears throat> as Christian people to be in a paradoxical relationship <laughs> with culture. We're neither fully affirming it, nor resisting it. Yeah. And it all depends very much on the ebb and flow, the particular circumstances. It's actually kind of a postmodern view in many respects. So it's, it has a sort of a fresh resonance for us today. And then the fifth and final one oh, I was
7: going to ask a weird yeah, question. Please. I hope there's a big monkey wrench in your nice little machine here. There's a guy, a French. Scientist priest Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. He had this idea of these kind of spheres forming of the world as we go through evolutionary spheres of growth. And God's plan is working through these growth here, and their whole like universe is a kind of forming spheres and moving. I don't know. If, I don't know enough about it to talk about it. I just probably you'd throw it in there. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Chardin was a very fascinating, very sophisticated thinker. And it's really intriguing. I don't have a... I can't really say which of these five would be the most uh, congruent with his thinking, does it, but yeah.
1: Okay, and then the last one is Christ as Transformer of Culture. So that's looking at culture is both under the judgment of God, but also under the sovereign rule of God. Um, so it seeks to transform what's corrupted of culture by sin and selfishness, um, but also acknowledges like our action and agency and being a part of culture and a part of that transformation. So as Christ's transformer of culture position sees Christ as someone that came into the culture and God is like using this continued um, like idea of the kingdom and this hope of like what is here um, to use us as transforming the culture that we're in while holding it as like holding the Godhood of Jesus and who he was in that process. But God's sovereignty
4: in that place is not predestined. And it's not, it's not a Calvinist kind of sovereignty. <laughs> I mean, we have
0: agency, I would not. But. Yes, um, no, I don't think it's directly following a Calvinist uh, distinction. It's more the idea that um, sin has infiltrated all culture, and so the, the work of Christ, and by definition, and extension, the work of the church is to transform culture. Um, and, and again, I, I think Aneba's um, analysis is, is quite rich. Uh, the labels are necessarily <laughs> kind of carrying a lot more freight than perhaps they easily can carry. And again, I, I don't want us to have too much of a scholastic sort of approach to this. Too late. <laughs> um, I, I do want us to have a sort of basic, I think that the reason why Niebuhr's book was, was helpful was to actually prompt us to see that maybe there isn't just one way that Christian people, people trying to follow Christ faithfully, can connect with the culture. But maybe there are multiple different ways. And um, so these five are ones that he identified. So, again, just go through them again. So, we have Christ against culture, Christ of culture, Christ over culture, Christ transforming yeah, yeah. culture, and Christ in a paradoxical relationship yeah. with culture. So just for fun, put your hand up. As so which of those you think you are. So, which of you. you have more than one? Let's just let's see what we get to. So, um, if, if the one you most identify with is Christ against culture. Okay, yeah. We'll come back to that. No on that. Christ of culture. Okay, no on that. Um, Christ over culture.
7: <laughs> Remind us what that what it stands for, Christ
0: over culture. Yeah. So the different. two books, right? right. God, the um, book of creation.
7: creation. Including human creation. In- I never in- understood the book human of creation. creation, which is derivative. But I never understood book of creation and the Bible as being separate. Well, there
2: but, you go.
0: Then you
2: but I think it's the idea of Paul saying you can look at the stars and know that there's a God. Mm-hmm. Like, that you don't have to read the Bible to get to God. So there okay. are things okay. that you can encounter, like human creativity or art, and you led to an understanding of goodness mm-hmm. or it. creation, right? separate from having, even if you haven't read the Bible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But the idea is always oh, these two books, yeah. the interaction always, the Bible, is the more okay. uh, controlling... And therefore, the priestly calling is always the highest calling, and inside the cathedral is where we most want to be. Okay, so that's Christ of culture. Then Christ yeah. trans- so over culture. I'm sorry, Christ transforming culture, and a Christ <laughs> transforming culture person. Oh, quite a few there. And Christ in a paradoxical relationship with culture. We'll get that? Can you do two? You. <laughs> <laughs> Send to you later. Yeah, like you Can we you
5: out that idea. The paradoxical. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so again, I think this idea that um, we we simultaneously see um, a piece of music. Um, Taylor Swift. So is Taylor Swift's music? Part of culture that we should be repudiating because it doesn't appear to be at least on its face informed by God? Or is it a part of culture we should be celebrating because it's very clever, playful, emotionally resonant music? And if all truth is God's truth, then we rejoice in this as a truthful expression. Of some of the best of human culture? She should pick a better example. Now you've made me pull my hand back from Paradox, which I love Paradox.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs>
2: but, okay, but Sid, I was with Sid and a couple of other ladies <laughs> from church last yeah. night at the Taylor Swift in theater concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, we were there. And oh. honestly, I do think it's a great example because... I was also thinking about how we're screaming these songs about
3: um things to
0: enjoy, but we only legitimately enjoy, if I'm hearing this correctly, if we're giving it to God. <clears throat> so, applying our Taylor Swift example, how would, that, how would Augustine um, interpret how we should engage with the Taylor Swift concept? Hmm. <laughs> That's going to conjure, I'm going to ask you next, Roddy, what you think of this. i going to to do a buzzkill on it. I don't know. It's pretty cool
7: how he gets everything going. I love Augustine. He's gnarly. He's crazy. Well, aside from his, like,
8: crazy... <laughs> interesting, at uh, times, problematic yeah. view on romance and sex. Um, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation, <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> I think he would say, like, romance with another human being is something that can model um, a relationship between God and humanity, Um, and so Taylor Swift referring to like human romance. You could be like, oh, we're seeing the best sides of this. We're the worst at in the same concert, (laughs) Um, and in that way, like it could be like a snapshot. The
4: journey uh, of relationship with God. Uh-huh. Children,
0: uh, That's good. good. Fantastic, thank you. We, again, the Scripture encourages us to see that in a covenantal marriage, the partners see each other, couple see each other, and if they look in the right way, they also see Christ in each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Thoughts on all this? Uh, Questions.
5: Um. Yeah. I think there's lots of things bouncing in my head. Uh, one of them is like. I don't know if we like privilege um like the Christ over culture. Is that like making it easier for people who are in like very established Christian communities yeah. to connect to God if they like have like if they are literate and can read the Bible and they do have a church they can go to. Um. Is that like privileging a certain understanding of creation that is like based in scripture, where there is like, what Heather mentioned of like knowing God by like seeing the stars? Like, is that less valuable? If, like, actually, in a way, like I don't um, know. Like, there is merit in to God outside of scripture and not having the Bible be like your your primary source of. Um,
0: sorry. No, thank you. So I think what I'm hearing—that's right—is um, as Christian people, open your eyes, because God speaks through both of us. Yes, He spoke to us this morning, I believe, as Colleen opens the Scriptures. But is God not speaking to us now, to each other? Um, is God not speaking? if we have the eyes to see it when we look over the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, so you two are both um, sociologists mm-hmm. at Westmont. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of culture, I think, lies at the heart of good sociology. Any thoughts or ideas about all this? And again, to the extent you can you can bring us a, an example, Taylor Swift or otherwise, mm-hmm. we just want to bring it. When you think about that, I'm going to ask Heather, who doesn't tend to need to think very much about uh mm-hmm. to give her I came out all wrong. <laughs> she's sure. Well, she's
6: welcome to... That's right name, is. of course. I don't know not all the time. <laughs> Thank you, it's right. okay. so Some Respect her. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really happy about bringing Taylor Swift into this because it does feel like part of this is getting at, do we see things that are generated by non-Christians outside of the church? Like, that's that's the question of how do we interact with them? How do we receive them? How do we interpret them? And is it... And how do we discern and and think differently? And I'm I'm struck by ways in which you know if we think about Martin Luther, but somebody here who knows more about music could say something different or about Bach, like who would say like some of this music is maybe designed outside the church, but it still reflects God's glory, and we can celebrate it and enjoy it. But what would they have said like about beer hall songs mm-hmm. or like where where do we do with these other?
9: cultural
2: artifacts. Okay. I kind of want to be all in on Taylor Swift, though. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I just... Yeah, for creativity, but, but how do we then, like, how do we hold... It seems to me like there's this, like, current, like, culture is a current. And I'm wanting to be in the water, and I'm wanting to feel it, and I'm wanting to feel the sand mm-hmm. between my toes, and I'm wanting to sing along to Taylor Swift, and I want to, like, revel in the clever lyrics, and yet, I do not want to be swept away mm-hmm. with um, "I am how I look," or "I can do behave dangerously or riskily in a relationship, but I'll be okay." Because mm. maybe I won't, and maybe I should not have that dalliance or adventure because I have other voices in my head. So, like, not being swept away, like, so. That's what i want to be like, in the water, but not swept away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't yes. know, Was that like locking arms, if I think about this with other Christians, so that we're like holding that? Is it making sure that Taylor Swift or popular music is not the only thing that's coming in? And I've got some kind of like scale of mm-hmm. prayer and scripture and theological reading and pop music and i'm trying to keep those voices in balance that's what i got
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really
6: helpful yeah, Thank you. yeah. ladies <laughs> <laughs> i think
3: with, like especially this voice reference being such a like what we see right now like honestly a shift in so much of our culture and our economy, and like there's just like huge things happening specifically around this like, one individual and like the contents of her song and the emotions that it brings up in like a vast, like different generations of people. Um, and so I just think that like this reference alone is really interesting because she has so much, like, she just carries so much weight as an individual. Whereas, like, I think a lot of other artists that have songs, like, I, I don't think that it, like, passes through these generations to be able to, like, attach themselves onto these, like, concepts in these songs. And I think, like, it is much easier to be, like, swept away with the current because there's, this is, like, a microcosm of, like, so many different generations and the way that our world is, like, just consuming so much of, like, this one type of, like, genre of music and this one individual, and I think, like, that is, like, where as Christians we should probably, like, maybe be careful mm-hmm. And a lot of the, like, mm-hmm. ways that we could be almost, like, putting her music and, like, putting her as an individual on, on a pretty high shelf, and I think it's a lot easier for us to say, yeah, all these other artists, like, we can kind of like take it or leave it, but like her, she can do no wrong. And I think that that is an interesting thing right now in our culture is taking these specific people and their music because it brings up a lot of emotion in us and specific like feeling that we can a lot of times be swept away and like forget where we are and like yeah. in our mind and in our body when we're singing along to these songs. Right. And do we sing along with those songs and feel that much emotion? and like have emphasis on those songs as we do like in other realms in our life, especially like reading the Bible
6: and worshiping it. Okay. Thank you. I don't know if that was a sociological No, that was good. <laughs> it was about power as well, and economics, and yeah, that was totally so.
4: Power of influence. Yeah.
6: yeah. And also
4: when it's one music that doesn't have words, that doesn't have lyric to it, it's very different because it allows people to hear the creativity without a storyline behind mm, it. Mm. Um, I mean, granted, Dvorak and the New World Symphony, there is a Peter and the Wolf, there is a um, mm. storyline, but you don't you don't have to be immersed in it. Right. And mm. as someone who doesn't really follow Taylor Swift, um, I'm impressed that she has so much influence. But I think that if it's influence that allows people to come and, and take joy in the music itself and in the creativity and also in being together. I don't know too many people who observe Taylor, Smith, Taylor Swift alone. Many of them enjoy being together or sharing. Swifting. If, if it provides for that kind of connection,
6: I believe God uses it. Mm-hmm. Um, God can use
0: anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Morgan? Yes, ma'am? <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> go with the thing of joy. Yeah,
6: yeah. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. to go off of what Sarah was saying, that if any music, the rhythm of it, there's no words, but there's still, you mm-hmm. know, the rhythm and the harmonies. Right. Or I, myself, I like black gospel music, and that has it all. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter what aspect of music you like. You you, you know, pop sort of influences, and every, you know what? Somebody told me who, yeah, who knew that well, it's kind of this country beat in there too. And there, there's there's blue, the lament, the lament sort of blues, yeah. and then the really quick beat and celebrating it and come to bring you life, to come to bring you joy, and that. Abundant, more abundantly, and it goes on and on, and you cannot be depressed when you sing that. <laughs> so I'm thinking God uses joy in music, and
0: yep.
6: culture, and intrigued by the use of the artifact. Mm-hmm. What's that going to be? The yep. cathedral. I'm trying to you know, picture how that yep. is. Do people they're in this cathedral and they could be inclusive within themselves there, but yet they're worshiping with so they have community yeah. and so yeah i'm trying to picture this cathedral yeah. and how you get uplifted to take action to right. yeah, make the world better right.
0: That's so good. Good. yeah yeah
2: thank you um i have a question that i would love help brainstorming is that okay i pose it um basically where did jesus Engage. Jesus was a human, right? Fully human, fully divine. Where did Jesus engage with culture, and how did he do it?
6: Um, and yeah.
5: Uh, well, this is—it's a little bit tying in with Taylor Swift. i yeah. in, in thinking of some of her ways of relating. She was very, she's very relatable with her lyrics. Some of the angst of, oh man, I liked this person, they didn't like. She, she's, <laughs> there's this vulnerability that she shares in front of millions of people that helps people to connect. So there's. A similarity of kind of a Christ-like figure of coming in, understanding the pain of humanity, relating with people, lifting people up. Mm-hmm. So there, there is this pedestal of teach me, Taylor. You <laughs> felt my pain You Te- teach me how to have love mm-hmm. in my life. I will follow you. You are beautiful. Wow. <laughs> so there is there, there. She is kind of like a Christ-like figure in that way. And Jesus was a similar came in, understood people, was meeting people where they were, and show me the way, Jesus. You know, yeah. So, uh, instead of so, maybe that would be the difference of how do I enjoy it without putting this person on a pedestal? Teach me all of your ways and mm-hmm. keep Christ as the one following. Mm-hmm. So, kind of answering your question, but I'm, I'm really okay,
0: no. That's that. helpful. Yeah, I, I think that's you're really getting at something important here. Also, building on the answer. Um, the idea that we would. Taylor Swift, in the place of Jesus, is classic
6: idolatry.
0: I think Milan is warning us about doing that. And yet, to repudiate anything about Taylor Swift or her music is to completely withdraw from the possibility of seeing God reflected in this person's work which I think is the point you're making, and we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think it all gets back to what Heather was saying earlier. It's this, the work for us is a constant nuancing. Where do I potentially see God turning up in this space and this space and this space? And where must I be? Where? Being lured in, not by God, but by those forces that are unhelpful in these spaces. Talking of culture, Ben this week has had the privilege of, you may have remembered in the, um, was it in the sermon or in the prayers, we talked about the Beethoven concert. Beethoven's the ninth. And
6: Rich Lasher and the Bruce, yeah. So
0: Ben was seeing this, Concept this week, the Westmont Choir is part of a 135 voice choir singing the Ode to Joy. Mm-hmm. So, so this this ethereal piece of music by Beethoven, the Ode to Joy. Um, do you want to share with us anything about how that might fit into the discussion we're having about the sacred and profane? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: Just about like using "Ode to Joy" as like a yeah, an example.
0: example. Hmm. But as you're singing,
8: yeah,
0: were you praising God? Were you just making beautiful notes? Is there anything mm. just about making beautiful notes? Yeah, maybe that yeah. is. Maybe that is. Yeah, yeah.
8: I think the. So it was the first symphony ever to have um, voices in it. Um, And really, the text is originally in German. And it's really, like, beautifully written. A piece of poetry, uh, not by Beethoven. But it's laying out this vision of human flourishing uh, that three words in German uh Freude is joy mm-hmm. Freude is peace mm-hmm. and uh, the last one joy, peace and uh Freedom, mm-hmm. or what they translate to, uh, mm-hmm. which I think are virtues that Jesus, like, universal, like, virtues that are like, spoken highly mm-hmm. of in the Bible, um, and I would. The way I interpret it, like I think that all three of those things are things that um, God wants for humanity. Uh, So, like, yeah, I think really the the telos of the of the symphony is pointing toward that. Uh, But again, like. You know, once you obtain those virtues, if you ever do, what do you do with them? What's the point of it? Um, And I don't think any of us in this life will be able to reach perfection in joy and peace and freedom. Uh, but But it's something to strive for, and I think when we're called, were aiming toward those virtues, mm-hmm. so that comes from like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I'm so struck by Nikki's question. I mean, just this idea of not knowing, and because I, I mean, I'd like this about virtues, but I'm also thinking about Shay's comment about relatability, mm-hmm. and then like just not even needing to ask, like, what did Jesus? Do where he was related to culture, but just the incarnation itself—that mm, mm. that he became human, but like a particular human in a particular historical moment, with a particular cuisine and a particular climate and a particular wardrobe and a, like particular whatever little kids played in the street, you know, until their parents put them to work at the age of six. But mm-hmm. like whatever, whatever it was, like, and then we don't see that but it doesn't but god thought thought that was a value and then like where is jesus throughout his teaching of when you're a sewer when you go to court when you have your cloak taken like all of those are aspects of the culture which we now have to try to unpack and read commentaries to understand but he was speaking on that to an audience that immediately understood because it was their culture so to be able to like participate and take the things of every day, not on their own terms, but to, like, to take them as they are, and then be looking for, like, where is this pointing towards God? What do we learn from a sower? What do we learn from how we should be in court? Hmm. It seems, but that there's a relatability. Like, I'm thinking of a former student who was, like, really into sports and baseball, which I'm not into at all. But he, like, pointed out to like, Baseball's one of the last things that like cuts through socioeconomic ladders and like I can he's like I can go anywhere in the world and I can go into any room and I can talk to probably any guy because I can make a connection. I was like (laughs) Um like so where it is like to have that ability of connecting and sharing and celebrating and when there's opportunity pulling out of it virtues or things that it points to of human creativity. But I like the relatability.
4: Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Nancy,
0: mm-hmm. thoughts, a question?
4: My thoughts go
9: back a bit. Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, one thing is the economics like around Taylor Swift and all and what she has done in taking back her music um, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, the statement against kind of the big the big corporations and everything. I don't know. I feel like that that's that gets my admiration, um, and is a is something to in the mix of all of it, and mm-hmm. so that's you know happening it within her music at all. So that's just something that I mm-hmm. think is a part of it. Um, and then the other thing for me, and maybe it's age, I don't know, and just my perspective, is um, the value of engaging so that I can understand. Others in the world around me, mm. I think, mm. it's really to me that's, that's, I, I, yeah, I, I want to be outward focused in that way. And um, so it's not just about how it hits me mm. and my experience, mm.
6: but
9: wow, look at what it, you know, what how people are responding mm. and what, is that, what does that mean? What does that say about mm. the world I live in and, and who I'm living with? Mm.
0: That's, yeah. good. That means, you. that's good. Judy, any. Any thoughts or questions?
3: From my perspective, it seems like I need to learn to live in the culture today without taking the culture as my Mm dog. And that is hard to do in our society, especially when you are born white privileged, and live in an economy where you have no needs. And coming from that perspective, I have to look at other people and say, God, I'm certainly better than they are. But, am I, do I have what is really basically needed? Do I have a relationship? Do I have a
0: connection with the Lord. And in this
7: economy, it's hard to do. I really like the theme what Heather shared um, of like linking arms with fellow believers while also being in the water. Mm -hmm. I think back to, I studied abroad in South Korea two summers ago. I was in a group of Probably 1,700 students, and six of us, I'd say, were believers who were striving towards Christ. And instead of standing over there and pointing at everyone else and saying, "You should like not do this and not do that," rather linking arms and saying, "We're going to be, we're going to be a part. We're going to enjoy what there is to enjoy in community with other students, and then to really revel in that other people come ask, not literally what is different, but what are you doing that's different? What is, where is this coming from? And, and people resonate and they see that. And I think that's just super important in how we relate with the world. Is instead of being off in the corner shouting and saying no, being a part and for people to see the light of Jesus and be
0: encouraged by that. So
7: it's salted my.
1: Thank you. Sydney, last word. <laughs> um, I mean, what Nash said and what Heather was saying about like being knee deep in the water and like entrenching yourself in it, but not becoming of it and not making that God. I think is just when I was when Jim and I were prepping for this and kind of reading through, that was something that like struck me, but didn't have the words for it. And this like tension that is there of like holding. Christ above all and like as the foundation of all things in life but also embracing the culture and what there is to learn where there is to be in it and um not straying away from something just because you're afraid it could become an idol but lean into it and like i think that i'm really struck too by last week um travis and carrie talked about prayer mm-hmm. and so going into all of this with like lord give me wisdom and discernment to engage this well mm-hmm. um And then also being in it with community and people Mm -hmm. that are striving towards Christ alongside you. That's really
0: powerful.
6: Mm -hmm. Sharing joyfully.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, that's that's really helpful. Maybe I could just, uh, again, we're going to, for those of you who are interested Mm and maybe around next week, we'll carry on this discussion next Sunday in concert. Unfortunately, Sydney's going to be away, but uh, Kat Smith, who may be known for some of you, will be uh, co-facilitating. But as we leave today, I wanted just to leave a very very simple image. Um, A writer that I would commend to you on this subject of Christ in Culture is Andy Crouch. Uh, Almost anything by Andy Crouch goes into this, but um, he has this expression which captures for me a potent and attractive engagement that Christians can have with culture seeing God in the best of culture he says if you think of a handful of wheat you may say that is good if you think of how that is made by humans into a loaf of bread that's very good if you think of a Croissant on the (laughs) Champs-Elysees, that is glorious. (laughs) So maybe that's also the pattern of God's work in creation. He said it's good after each day. On the sixth day, he said it's very good. And in Jesus, he says it's glorious. Mm. Thank you very much. Thank you.